0: Among all flavours, Aquila had come to regard human flesh as the sweetest. When properly steamed, the tissue undressed itself from the bone, falling in the fashion of well-oiled blades from inverted sheaths. The flavour and the clatter often followed one another, especially when knights encumbered by folly sought to forge a name in foolish ambition. Such pitiful threats did not trouble the great Aquila and the delirium of gluttony countered any residual consternation that might have lingered from being forced to do battle. Akela found the human portion particularly agreeable, not so small as chickens or piglets, which, no matter how frenzied the feasting, failed to yield sustenance equalling what was lost in the chewing. A mere half-dozen humans provided satisfaction, and when sated by their consumption, The great worm often slumbered entire calendars to oblivion. He knew well that lesser creatures celebrated his sedated intervals, but his peak at external happiness never roused him. Across continents, Akela's mountain was known, and that contented him. They called the spire Oios, the center of creation. No matter how far the little ones fled, Akela could be seen For he had gutted the stone of his home with the world forging bellows of his race, leaving only crystal pillars to support its peak in a steepled roof above his head. His heat was such that it melted snowcaps across the visible horizon, a glorious feat performed at rest that stirred the poet's muse to sing of what devastation would be wreaked when he manifested his blossoming wrath. In simple terms, it could be said that of all dragons, he was the worst. akila lay upon his bed of treasure, and in the darkness, his inner glow reflected to dance, ethereal, across the spine of the world. His wings slowly fanned, and with every subtle shift, a shockwave of terror radiated out across the barren plains. The people looked and whimpered, falling to their knees and exclaiming, Alas, the Devastator has awakened. Yes, they knew him, and even without summons they came to offer tribute. So had it been for centuries. But that morning, in the last coughing gasp of the midnight cold, Aquila awoke to regard a different kind of procession approaching his home. He barely cracked an eye, and through the blurry liquid of his slumber, the sight was, at first, difficult to interpret. He expected tributes, clothed in white linen, wreathed in sweet-smelling smoke, enough to quell the rumblings of his stomach for a century. Linen was preferable to the daily garb of such creatures. Armor did not slow his rending claws, but the leather straps did afterward necessitate removal from the lining of his gums. Such removal was an annoyance. The sweet smoke made the morsels docile, along with enhancing their flavor. However, his expectation was dashed by the image now projecting upon his brain. A gout of molten smoke erupted from his nostril, and with a touch of ire, Akila cracked one great eye open a little more. The protective liquid that pooled there stretched thin and retreated from the heat. Akila's pupil focused on his visitors. The image cleared. All at once, understanding dawned, and both great eyes snapped open wide and indomitable. He shifted his weight upon his bed of gold, lifting his great bulk and flexing the muscles in his forearms. The sight which had provoked his terrible alertness was indeed nearly unfathomable. A dragon approached the spire of Oios. A dragon chained and guided by a mere mortal. Akela scowled, and his bellows surged. The walls around him began to bleed transparent beads with his rising heat. The column arrived and halted where the road widened before the gateway to his rooms. The stranger dragon stepped forth, a silver collar around his neck, a lithe silver chain bowing gently to the ground. "'Greetings, great Aquila, most terrible of all dragons!' I am Prospero of the North, and I have come to bring you tidings.